This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet, we'll recap UFC Fight Night, Gone vs. Tuivasa, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we'll preview UFC 279, Chamaya vs. Diaz. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. As you may have noticed, a little extra oomph in Ryan's intro this week for the Nate Diaz farewell tour. Oh, um, we're pumped. If you're in the room with us right now, you know he's wearing a full Nate Diaz fight kit. Topped off with a Nick Diaz Army hat on backwards, of course. So um, we all know where his head and heart are this week, but I guess we'll find out where his, uh, his bets are going to be placed shortly. Must be a... Maybe it's not a tough week. Maybe it's an easy call. I don't know. We'll find out, though, when we get to the bets. Um, before we do, though, we're going to recap a pretty sick card uh, from last week. Maybe not the best name value card. Again, uh, UFC Paris. But it was uh, had some fun fights and some, uh, some interesting finishes. So we'll get to that when we get to that. But before we do, we'll start things off as we always do with our take of the week. So, Ryan, as always, take us away. All right. Saturday night will not be the last time we see my boy Nate Diaz in the UFC octagon. Um, I think we got multiple scenarios that we could be seeing Nate Diaz back in the uh, in the UFC. First and most likely, after he upsets Kamzat Shemaev, they just back up the Brinks truck, give him like, you know, if he beats Kamzat Shemaev, right, they've got to just give him whatever he wants to keep him in the UFC. You can't let him walk then. No. It's no. like leaving with him. That'd be like leaving him with him and Kamzat. Yeah, yeah, it would be absolutely insane to let him go. You just got to pay him whatever the hell he wants, I feel like, at that point. Um, and the other way would be, you know, we still have that Connor versus Nate fight, uh, the trilogy, to be completed. Um, I don't think Connor's going to be free agent or outside of the UFC, at least for a long time. Um, so, you know, I think that's always lingering in the back of the UFC's head. We got to make that fight. So whenever, if he signs somewhere else, whenever that contract's up, or if he just does like a one-off with Jake Paul, whenever that's done, you know, I think the UFC would be crazy not to uh, try to put that together before it's too late at some point. Because I've seen some interviews with Nate. He's not like against the UFC. Like I'll never, fu- he's like, he's never said he'll never fight there again. He actually said he might. So um, I think the door is definitely still open, something like that. Yeah, and this coming from a guy who's usually on his fight week says he's not even going to show up for his home fights. Yeah, exactly. So that's almost a guarantee he'll be back. And he's always showed up for his fights. So he hasn't done that this week. I thought maybe that's what the pre- what was going on at the press conference, which we'll maybe we'll cover that soon. But um, uh, yeah, so like you said, if he wins this, he can't, they can't let him leave. There's just no way, no way to do that. Um, and I mean, he's got a tall task ahead of him. No one's saying that. Uh, that's the most likely scenario, but um, if he does, and it could happen, there's a, there's always a chance. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I guess I'll uh, I'll jump into my take because we'll cover that a little more. Um, and it's not really I don't really have a lean on this, but what are the odds? This is brand new. This just happened. What are the odds that they canceled this press conference? to get more eyes on, say, the Embedded episode or something along those lines. Or just uh, more hype for the pay-per-view. I, I don't know if it's selling very well. I would say like it's likely that it may not be. Um, so this could just be a complete work to uh, generate interest in the uh, fight. Yeah, and who's watching this other than... Who's watching the press conferences other than the hardcores? 
Well, now they put it on ESPN. I'm sure ESPN, like Sports Center, will have a clip tonight of like Dana being like, "This has never happened before. Like, fight, yeah. this isn't going to happen. Up conference, conference is off, and uh, and they'll try and you know milk it for all it's worth." Yeah, because tell me with a straight face that they couldn't still get everybody else out there. No, they 100 percent could have. It's I, I don't because yeah, it was, the only people that came out were. Was it just Kevin Holland and Daniel Rodriguez, or did Tony Ferguson come out? I can't remember, but there was at least multiple fights. It wasn't just Nate and Kamzat who didn't make it out. So, well, Tony Ferguson came out and like goofed off, but I don't think he came out like officially. Okay, yeah. So just Kevin Holland and uh, Daniel Rodriguez came out. So, um, yeah, they couldn't get a few more people out there. You couldn't get Nate and Kamzat. Like they just they act like it was like in World War Three back there. Like that there's just like bodies flying all over, like ambulances just taking everybody out or something. Like. You know, they acted like something very, very serious happened. Yeah, like an active shooter or something. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like one of Nate's guys pulled a gun or something. Like, <laughs> Unlikely that that's what happened. So, I... Chris Avila. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably your best suspect. Um, yeah, and that's why I asked you earlier if, if Nick was backstage. Nick was, uh, him and Nate, Nick and Nate, I saw it on uh, ESPN MMA. They were, they were before the press conference, um, I don't know if you saw this, they were... They were in the empty arena, like basically kind of shadow boxing or something. I'm not exactly sure what they were doing, but um, whatever it was, Nick was there. So have to assume. See, uh, oh wow, shadow boxing backstage before they could have been preparing for it. <laughs> that, that's what it looks like. They were actually preparing for the backstage fight, but Nick was there. He has a he has an absolute talent for getting involved in different skirmishes and scuffles. So. Oh yeah, and I think he's the. Uh, the genius marketer behind the the Diaz brothers and their persona. It seems like yeah. uh, seems like he's kind of the uh, the brains almost behind the uh, opera. As crazy as that seems, that Nick Diaz is. But uh, I mean, like the call out of uh, of Connor after he beat Michael Johnson. Nate or Nick planned that whole thing. There's like video of them backstage before the fight. Like he's like telling him what to say and like being like, "Don't forget this. Don't forget that." Blah blah. blah. So yeah, he planned that whole thing and it actually worked out. So. Yeah, like you said, the brains of the operation, that's a little scary, but does seem to have some credence to it. Yeah, he's trying to support his family that he one day hopes to acquire, dude. <laughs> yeah, you got to wonder where he's at in his uh, in his journey as well. So um, be good to see him tomorrow, though. Uh, he'll likely just be sitting in the, in the stands, but um, we'll see how things go. Uh, anyways, yeah, maybe a work, maybe, uh, maybe a stunt. I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, you got to weigh your pros and cons. Is this, is it, was this press conference going to be better than canceling the press conference and the, having the anticipation? I don't think it probably would have been. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but the only thing that leads to it not being a setup is like Camzat's just been completely insane lately. Like true. Nick, Nick and Nate are known for, for, uh, starting brawls and stuff. So this could very well be, be legit or it, it could be somewhat somewhat planned but kind of legit or you never know at the end of the day who does this benefit more is nate in his head or is is cam's at not just proving he's not crazy or proving that he's crazy i think nate it's got to be nate right i don't think uh cam's at could take get any more benefits from from this fight than he already has so i think any little thing that that happens kind of goes goes nate's way maybe he's getting in his head maybe it's i don't know maybe he's underestimating or cam's at's underestimating him you never know but i think i think anything like this benefits nate and a possible adrenaline dump type situation as well maybe yeah maybe they injured him <laughs> That's what I was really afraid of. Like somebody landed a punch and opened a big cut on Nate's eye or something. Yeah, that's what I thought was. That's what I thought when they when I first heard they canceled the press conference. I was like, this is bad. Um, so, 
Uh, we'll move on, though. We'll, t- we'll talk about this a little more when we get into our preview. But let's get into our recap from uh, last week. I know we're coming to you late in the week, but um, we did have some priorities this week. Our f- Everybody's drafting fantasy football. Football season's back. You know what that means. Uh, half our time will be for that, and half our time will be for UFC. So we're going to be busy coming up here. Oh, yeah. Um, as as we do this for now, we're currently watching the, our, uh, the season opener on a phone screen. So we're multitasking. We'll try to... Uh, Make sure we uh, keep the quality up to snuff, though. So let's get into our recap from last week. UFC Paris, Cyril Gaon, Tai Tuivasa. Probably the biggest question answered here is, to for me, is that I think Tai Tuivasa proved that he's legit, and I think Cyril Gaon proved that he can get into a brawl. I think it was a, this was a better fight than I thought it would be. Um, Tai Tuivasa almost pulled it off. He proved that he's literally like a Mark Hunt like clone where he can fight anybody and almost win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway I had from this is Ty Tuivasa needs to do some crunches, man. <laughs> Just because you're fat and you'll never see your abs doesn't mean you can't have abs, right? Like, oh, he, man, he was getting beat up to the body. He might be the worst I've ever seen at absorbing body shots, like one, at least top 10. He almost got put away early from body shots. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a, it was a really good fight. I mean, man, Ty Tuivasa impressed me. Like, I thought Gon was out cold, and I think – 90% of the UFC uh, heavyweights would have been out cold from that that punch. I mean, he he looked like he, when he got it, when he was falling to the ground, he looked completely out, but it seemed like he kind of woke back up when he hit the ground and one of those type things, and mm-hmm. he recovered insanely fast. Like, by, by the time he was back up to his feet, he was almost back up to normal. So then he started taking it to Ty. I think he clipped Ty. Ty clipped him back. Like, it was it was wild. And then the uh, this, But then going into the next round, I think the third, was it? Yeah, I think you kind of saw all the momentum was swinging in Gon's favor again. That finish was absolutely ruthlessly brutal. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gon, I've been a, a known hater of, of Cyril Gon, and uh, mostly that's because his boring style and, and boring fights that he puts on. But, man, if, if it just takes him to get tagged to uh, him to go toe-to-toe with uh, some punchers and not just run away, like I hope he gets tagged every fight. Because after he got tagged, he was a completely different fighter. He was willing to brawl. Yeah. Yeah, rocked, rock Cyril Gaon, mythical fighter. <laughs> that finish was just brutal, though. He he slipped a punch, and then he just came back with an insane left hook. And then he kind of threw, like, a hammer fist. It was close to the back of the head, but I see what he was trying to do. And then, man, he just put him out and probably figured, I better put this guy away while I have the chance. Yeah, I thought I was going to look like an idiot. I was super confident in Cyril Gaon. And, uh, yeah, but he uh, he pulled it off. Just one, uh, one minor slip-up. Yeah, and, again, I think – Ty is a guy that can fight anybody now, and I think he proved that, and I'll be willing to give him a shot against uh, anybody in the division now. So, um, I mean, what would you think of, like, a guy, if Ty Tuivasa fought a guy like Stipe at this point? That's a good fight, I think. I, would, I wouldn't have said that before this fight, though. I would have said no. Stipe's going to beat him up and just dance around him. Older Stipe, the only thing to worry about with, like, a Stipe matchup is he uses wrestling and just That's grounds true. Ty. That's 100% true. That could be a factor, and I don't know how good Ty Tuivasa is uh in the wrestling, but I don't think um, he's very good. No, I'm sure he. I'm assuming he can't be can't be great. So, um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. He gave a good run to Cyrogan, and uh, that's all you can really ask for. Um, talk about great performances. Though. Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori did. I don't even have to say it. Neither one of us knew that Robert Whitaker was this much better than Marvin Vittori. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was going to be that dominant. I mean, I knew he was. He's. The number two, he's one a, or one B in the division, right? It's Israel Adesanya and then Robert Whitaker, and I mean, I want to see the third fight with Israel Adesanya after this one. I mean, he beats up 
everybody, it's like Adesanya never has any challengers because Robert Whitaker's beating them all, you know? He's just doing all, all Adesanya's heavy, heavy lifting pretty much, and Adesanya's left with no one. Nobody's on a win streak because Robert Whitaker's beat him. Um, I mean, Vittori, uh, Adesanya fought recently, so that's not a big deal. But, um, yeah, wow, Robert Whitaker, great performance. Um, just looked very crisp. Like, Marvin Vittori couldn't get anything going whatsoever. Dude, he schooled him every every direction. He schooled him. He didn't touch. He didn't get touched, did you? No, I don't think so. Barely. Maybe in the first round, Marvin Vittori was having a little bit more success, but then like at towards the end of the first and then second and and third, it was just all Robert Whitaker from there. Yeah, it was a it was a very impressive performance. I, and I was telling people before too. I'm like, yeah, I think I think Whitaker's better. But I like we we were saying like Marvin Vittori, the value was on Marvin Vittori for sure. We thought. I said, like, there's no reason that this couldn't be the fight where we say, oh, Robert Whitaker, he's officially old. Those wars with yeah. Yoel, those wars with all, getting beat up by Adesanya, you know, all, all these things have added up, and finally he's lost a step. Maybe he's not hungry. Boom, this is it. And Vittori is obviously a guy that's super motivated, so I didn't know. I didn't know. I wouldn't have been surprised if he came in and Marvin Vittori just mauled him, and we said, well, that's the end of Robert Whitaker as we know him. But complete other way around, he's obviously um, – Still at the top of his game. I guess what's next for him? Maybe like a Costa or something? Uh, yeah. I mean, if Costa can come back to... Or he fought 185 his last yeah, fight, Yeah, he right? just fought at 185. Yeah, that could be interesting. I could see that happening. That'd be a, I think that'd be a good one. And again, I think... <laughs> I don't know how you don't take Robert Whitaker in that fight. Yeah, I mean, if Pereira wins his next fight, True. Pereira probably. 100%. For sure. yeah. I mean, unless they give out his a rematch, which I could very well see them doing. But uh, So he'd probably have to take a fight while that trilogy or whatever it's going but uh yeah i i don't know that robert whitaker he's just uh clearly the top of the division and it's just out of sign ahead of him and uh i agree with robert whitaker though he said you know he's he's the best uh act fighter in the in the ufc he's like you know i finish fights like i'm the most exciting fighter in, in the 185 division not is there a lot of Sanya or yeah, the most sure. violent i forget exactly what he said but he's basically calling out of Sanya boring well, fair point. Yeah, yeah. It's Even though insane. one of Adesanya's best finishes was Robert Whitaker. <laughs> yeah, right. In that first fight, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was a good one. But uh, we can we can move on. We'll see what's next for Robert Whitaker. Obviously, Marvin Vittori kind of back to the drawing board. I'm sure he'll stick around in the top five and um, fight somebody, maybe a Cannoneer or somebody. I don't know if they fought, but um, oh, yeah, they did. He beat his ass, Robert Whitaker. Oh yeah. Oh, he beat Cannoneer, but has Vittori fought Cannoneer? Oh. I don't think so. That'd probably be a decent fight. Yeah, that would probably be the fight to make now. Yeah, Robert Whitaker whipped up on Jared Cannonier. Uh, that was a that was a great performance too. I guess I guess the only bad look for him is when he loses to Adesanya. And yeah, and the second fight wasn't really a bad look. He was it, that was a really competitive fight. Yeah, it was close, and it wasn't the most exciting fight. Was the problem, but it was a fairly close fight. Yeah, and I, I like Whitaker said, I thought he thought he won that fight. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, he's in that tough spot where you can't really just give him a third fight, but he's got to just keep knocking guys off, doing out of doing out of Sanya a favor. So, we'll see what happens. But we'll move on to Alessi Dicharico versus Roman Kapolov. Um, oh, I had this backwards actually. We got Nazardine Imava versus Joaquin Buckley next. They moved that one up the card. All right, yeah, let's do Imava versus Joaquin Buckley. Um, credit to Buckley. The guy likes to throw as hard as he can with every single shot. Wasn't enough, but, uh, I mean, I think this was a net. I think we knew where this one was going before the fight even happened, right? Yeah, I, I thought so, but that third round had me on the edge of my seat. I mean, yeah. if you would have asked me who's the fresher fighter in round three, I would have bet whatever you wanted on Imava being fresher. But 
Joaquin Buckley, he's been known to have absolutely zero cardio, especially in the third round. And he, um, I don't know if it was all hard or what, but he was going out there and just winging bombs, had me pretty nervous, honestly, that uh, I didn't know if Imovov was going to get a few through it a few times. But uh, other than that, the first two rounds, Imovov just looked like, he looked like a heavyweight compared to Joaquin Buckley. I mean, Buckley looked tiny. He's a short, compact guy, but Imovov looked huge. Uh, and he was just completely dominating him. Uh, as he got tired, Joaquin Buckley was finally able to get inside because I don't think he was in punching range for the first two rounds. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, once uh, Imovov got tired enough, he was able to get in there, and he, he was throwing down. Yeah, like I said, credit to Joaquin Buckley. I'm hearing a lot of people say maybe he should Joaquin Buckley should work on dropping down to 170, and that would be a better fit for him because the guy's just not very big, but he's I mean he's jacked, he's huge, he's a brick house, but he's not a uh, He's not long enough or tall enough for this division. Yeah, he's got to fight smaller guys at 185, or 185, right? Yeah, he's at 185. He'd have to fight small 185ers. I mean, that's why Kevin Holland knocked him out, too. And for, I mean, that was a short-notice fight, but Kevin Holland had like a 7-inch reach advantage on him. <laughs> yeah, right. And Kevin Holland's not even a real 185er, so. No, he's a welterweight. <laughs> so, yeah, so do with that what you will. But, um, yeah, ended up being a pretty good fight. Credit to Joaquin Buckley. Obviously, he lost, but he's just a guy that they're going to keep around who's going to have exciting fights. And, uh He'll always have his highlight spin kick KO that well, no one can ever take away from him. So um, is uh, Dietrico next then? Dietrico yep. versus Kapolev. Um, Alessi Dietrico, uh, I mean, I'll admit I'm not like the most studied up on him, but he's kind of a guy that's like in there to get knocked out at some point. He, this wasn't a horrible fight or anything, but Kapolev looked really good. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm patting myself on the back for this one because there wasn't a ton of fights we did great on, but um, this one was one of them. Uh, I saw most people were going with uh, Dietrico in this one, but uh, I don't know. I just like Kapilov. He's, he doesn't quit. He, he's a grinder, and he ends up getting it done in a lot of these fights, and, and that's what happened here. I think Dietrico was winning early, and uh, I think, what was it, third round? Roman Kapilov got the knockout. Yeah, and he's uh, um, it's pretty yeah. violent too. So Yeah, that was a nice knockout. I felt, did, did you kind of feel like it was a, just a matter of time, though? Like he was right on him for... Yeah, it started to swing. It started out with Dietrico kind of ha- taking over the fight but uh as it went on it was getting more and more towards uh Kapilov yeah and he was able to get it done so that that's a big big win for uh for the boy Kapilov he's yeah. kind of a goofy looking dude <laughs> he's like Chase Hooper if he Chase Hooper wasn't like anorexic <laughs> yeah he did look like a Chase Hooper clone yeah that was uh yeah like I said you you nailed this one and uh said I I don't know Dietrico I haven't seen much much uh I don't know. I'm not super high on Dietrico. He started out decent in this fight, but obviously he got uh, he got finished. Um, who we got next? Nazareth Hackbrass versus John McDessie. Well, this one got changed up too. The actual next fight on the card would have been Jordan. Yeah, that's right. Let's do Jordan and uh, Nathaniel Wood because this one was a huge bummer. Jordan, obviously, are one of our original JLT guys. Felt like this fight was handpicked for him, but it just didn't go that way. Um, Charles Jordan is very susceptible to leg sweeps. Yeah, I, I thought this was just bad fight, a bad fight by Charles Jordan, honestly. I mean, I know it wasn't his fault, really, because you picked him in the UFC League. So if that, <laughs> you know, anybody you pick is an automatic loss. So we can't give him, can't give Jordan 100% of the blame. But uh, there was a clear path to the victory, and he was doing it in the first round. First round, he's striking from distance, and he's uh, kind of lighting Nathaniel Wood up. All of a sudden, he wants to fight in a phone booth the entire fight. Like, Nathaniel Wood is a midget with tiny arms, like... <laughs> It's the only place he can hit you is if you stand forehead to forehead with him and uh, just trade short shots. And he proceeds to do that for 
rounds two and three. And uh, Nathaniel Wood was, you know, the volume was about the same, I think. But Nathaniel Wood was landing the heavier shots in, in my eyes, and I think it, the judges and everyone else's. So it was just a bad game. But it's like if Jordan stays to the outside, just picks him apart there, he probably could even finish him or he definitely would have won a decision. But just fight on the inside, get tripped, get uh, the bigger shots landed on you. And it was just uh, the wrong game plan for Jordan. Yeah, in an otherwise fairly close fight, he just yeah, it just got taken from him. You know, he's a longer guy, skinnier. So like, if you're fighting that close, you can't get that much going on your punches compared to like a shorter guy like Nathaniel Wood. Like, you know, you need to have that space to kind of just throw. Yeah, and let's just put some uh, uh, context to that. I picked him in the UFC league, and I'm on probably the world record longest cold streak right now. Yeah, hold on, I got it right here. I can tell you, you have lost. I'm not even pretending to be part of these picks on here anymore because my picks are full-blown toxic. Yeah, they, uh, they're not going very good. <laughs> not at all. And I'm not even picking big underdogs or anything. I'm picking reasonable. You're 7-15 and 15 on the season, but you've lost 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, eight out of your last 10. Not a good look. No. So I was doing pretty good at one point. Yeah, you were, I think you were towards the top of the league, yeah. Terrible. Yeah, so... <laughs> Actually, not that good, but you weren't doing terrible. I won't put any curses on anyone's picks, on any picks Here. this week. I'll just uh, say what I think, but I won't, I won't make any official picks. There you go. Yeah, Unless, you're minus, minus 1,000 through 12 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. That's terrible. <laughs> and for the record, I'm trying oh, my wait, hardest. It's worse. You're 10 and 12. You've lost 10 out of 12 because... You lost two last week. I haven't done the results for oh the God. France card, so it's actually way worse. Yeah, it's get, it's going bad. It's it's trending in a bad direction. So uh, let's move on. We don't need to talk about that any longer. Um, anything else on this card that sticks out other than my historic losing streak? Uh, let me check. I mean, the only other pick we had was Nazareth Hack Press versus John McDessie, and uh, Hack Press won that. I don't know. If, I think I might have missed that one, honestly. Um, yeah, this was a uh, Nazareth looked pretty good. He was quick in and out with the boxing. Um, McDessie's scrappy, but he's just like you know, he's he's been in the UFC a long time, but he's not necessarily ever been like a top talent. So, yeah, the uh, let's see, Benoit Saint Denis uh, beat up Gabriel Miranda. That was a pretty good fight. Like, Gabriel Miranda came out hot, and uh, then Benoit Saint Denis he ended up finishing almost finishing him at the end of the first, and then finished him right at the start of the second. For as I am, um, had a uh, a good three round decision win versus uh, Michael Figlak, uh, UFC newcomer. But I think Figlak was like minus two hundred favorite, so that was a big one for Zayam. Oh yeah, that was crazy. He was a uh, he was supposed to be like you know kind of like a top talent. He got exposed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let me see. Yeah, that's probably about it. Besides the ones we already talked about. Yeah, so we can uh, we close the book on that and uh, move on to our segments. Um, What's uh? What is what is this? One twenty. Even. You're right. up. All right. So I'll start it off with the uh, isn't he awesome this week? And uh, you all know what's coming. Just another shout out to my uh, favorite fighter of all time, Nate Diaz. Uh, Nate Diaz is going to be a man with uh, nothing to lose on Saturday night. And you know the last time everyone counted Nate out, he shocked the world beating Conor McGregor. Uh, Nate versus Kimes at, you know, the real-life David and Goliath are uh, <laughs> good versus evil, Jesus versus Muhammad. 
But uh, regardless of how this uh, this fight goes, I feel like it's a bad look for the UFC, man, setting up Nate for you know, pretty much certain slaughter in most people's minds on the last fight of his contract. We've seen him do it before, but uh, I don't think they've ever put together this big of a mismatch. I think it's by far the biggest mismatch. But that's just uh, more credit to Nate Diaz. There's n- I don't know of any fighters. There's Most fighters in the division that should be fighting cams that refuse to fight the guy. Nate, no reason to besides to get out of his contract and uh, takes the fight. It's I don't think anybody in their right mind or even people not in their right mind probably uh, are thinking he really has a chance. But uh, you never know. Crazier things have happened. Uh, no way I'm going to miss this event, even with uh, it just being a huge mi- mismatch, you know. Nate, the the needle mover Diaz, he uh, possibly the last fight in the UFC. It should be a should be a good one, win or lose. Yeah, and for reference, Camzat is currently a future futures favorite against the current champion Leon Edwards, and they got him fighting Nate Diaz. Yeah, <laughs> they had to say two guys that shouldn't have been fighting Nate and, and fought Nate. Yeah, and he almost beat Leon. Let's be honest, that was I'd like to remind everybody that we were there. But um, that was uh, he had him he had him hurt. He had him stumbling. Crazy. I mean, we've seen crazier things. Nate just pretty much since the uh, Michael Johnson fight on his career, just been on uh, on a rocket ship pretty much. I mean, the uh, the Michael Johnson fight was insane because I was actually at the fight before that RDA. It's probably the worst he's ever looked. He just got pummeled every for three straight rounds by RDA. And uh, after that, the Michael Johnson fight, he does the call out on Fox. Um, that blows up. RDA pulls out. Nate gets the counter fight the most uh electric uh build up to a, a fight ever in that week in vegas uh coming up to that first counter fight with all the uh interviews tons of classic lines um yeah i that was like probably my favorite time of uh of watching ufc or one of them <laughs> yeah uh that pretty much sealed the deal for him and um i will throw in like a little monkey wrench here though the the rda mauling unfortunately like that's kind of, his weakness is kind of wrestling and that's kind of cams at strength yeah it's wrestling but do we know do we think cams can wrestle for five rounds without gassing because we saw him versus gilbert he, he gassed looks- in halfway through the first round um nate i mean I, I know he's super durable but this is even going to be tough for his durability i feel like but if he can he can pull a guard if he can make things happen get it into the later rounds I honestly think Kamzat's not even going to try to wrestle, at least unless he gets tagged. I think Kamzat wants to go out there and just steamroll Nate. He knows he's way bigger. I think he wants to get the knockout on Nate, a guy who's never been knocked out. So I, I don't expect Kamzat to wrestle as crazy as that sounds unless he absolutely needs it. Um, but I think he's just going to go out there and try to take Nate's head off to start. I think so, too. And we'll save a little bit of that for the uh, for the preview for our preview and our pick. But um Who's to say, what, what do you think happens if Gilbert Burns fight Nate Diaz, hypothetically speaking? How does that fight go? Oh, it's a pretty good fight. That's right. And Kamzat versus, and I know this is just MMA math, but Kamzat didn't demolish, Kamzat didn't destroy Gilbert Burns. That was a really close fight. Yeah, I mean, Nate just needs to be fighting at 155. It's just, 155, the top of the division, has just been wrestlers for so long, for a while now. So, um, 170, it's like, yeah, Nate has a chance in a lot of those fights, but it's got to be Nate on his best day and maybe like Gilbert on just an average day. Like, you know, just because of the size difference. He He's not a 170 or as much as Dana or whoever else would want you to believe. Yeah, for sure. All right, who's your call out this week? Oh, Kamzat Chemayev, the, uh, the arch nemesis of uh, Nathan Diaz. Um, this guy's just been a complete 
douchebag basically lately. I mean, he deserves to get called out. You know, these guys from Russia, Dagestan, we usually see him coming over being like super respectful, like religious type dudes. And this guy, he's just a thug. You know, I thought first, like the whole I'll kill you thing was kind of cool. Like I didn't think he knew any other English words and whatnot. <laughs> but like now he's saying it. And, you know, I think at first he's kind of humble and whatnot. And he's saying it and it's, and it's cool. But now he's just like he's actually believing the hype, it seems like at this point. And when you start believing the hype, we see a lot of guys get beaten by guys who, who they shouldn't. When their head gets too big and uh, they just run into something they're not expecting and they're not not prepared. So I think that's a big uh, a big mistake for Cam's head. I think he's getting uh, his head's getting way too big, and that could uh, lead to bad things happening. I, I pray to God it's during this fight, but if it's not, it'll probably be a fight soon. Yeah, one correction, he's from Chechnya, not Dagestan, so maybe that's the difference. Oh, Chechens, yeah. yeah. They were at, uh, they've been at war. They were at war <laughs> with Russia for a long time, probably when he was growing up, honestly. Yeah. But he moved to Sweden, I think, before he was that old. So. And that that's going to lead somewhat into my uh, my my take and call out. Um, uh, I'll do my call out first because it's kind of the same on yours. I'm not calling out I'm not calling out uh, uh, Cam's at it exactly. It's more of an isn't he awesome for Paulo Costa. He's hanging out at the UFC PI, and he tried to fight Kamzat this week. So just the man. He's he is assimilating himself into the Nick Diaz army. Yeah, I I could see Paulo Costa fitting right in with those guys. <laughs> Are you talking because they all test some? They would all score somewhere on like a IQ test, or because I I don't know. I just I think they uh, I get the same vibe kind of from him. I, it's different for sure, but I think they could add him to the crew, and he'd be like. You know, the, the goofy muscle. Brazilian got muscle, yeah. Yeah, I think there are some Brazilians in that crew, too. But, but yeah, either way, he was he was uh, getting jiu-jitsu lessons from Jake Shields. So if you're hanging on Jake Shields, you're obviously just trying to get into the Nick Diaz clan. Oh, 100%. That's your easiest way in, I believe. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know what happened, but he's he's been saying all week, he's been hanging out at the PI where Cam's is at and saying all week that uh, um, Diaz is a real gangster and that uh, uh, Cam's at is a fake is a fake gangster and this is what he said not even a real russian moved to sweden when he was moved to sweden with a bunch of nerds is what he said yeah yeah went to the went to sweden with a bunch of of white dudes you know he just hangs out there definitely is not a real russian they're they're very respectful cam's at complete jackass uh yeah i just think uh he's kind of squandering his opportunity i feel like i get it Uh, he's trying to sell fights and stuff but uh he looks like a jackass doing it yeah he's out of control i will say this if if Darren Till, where's this? Darren Till been in his corner all week? I don't know, but yeah, that's like the weirdest friendship or whatever. It seems like it seems like they're gonna make a, like a weird like buddy comedy movie about them one day. That was actually kind of interesting though. And like the picture of Camzet sitting on the octagon when Gilbert Burns walked out with Darren Till next to him is an all time great UFC photo. Yeah, but it's like Camzet, what the hell are you doing? Like just being best bros, dicking around with Darren Till all the time. Like <laughs> you have the opportunity to be like you know like go like you're got the biggest hype like you've got to focus right now this you're not going to get another chance like this if you blow it like you know you're on the the trajectory to major ufc like draw so and you're just hanging around with darren till it's just getting duis and doing whatever the fuck else he wants you know i don't know it just seems like a a dumb thing for cams that to be doing he should be uh more focused try to get like those darren till type guys like out of his uh, orbit pretty much because that's not going to do anything good for him except for have some good times I feel like but fight career wise like what's Darren Till going to teach Camzat and that's the thing Till stands to gain a lot from Camzat Camzat doesn't have a lot to gain from Darren Till no 
So it's kind of a one-way friendship, but it was interesting while it lasted. Yeah. And it was probably one of the more redeemable storylines with Cam's at, as compared to how he's acting now. Maybe he needs Till back in his corner, assuming he's not. I don't know if he is or not. Yeah, uh, he probably does. He needs him. Uh, all right. My other Isn't He Awesome, other than Paulo Costa, Paulo Costa Diaz, is uh, <laughs> Robert Whitaker. Just want to give him a shout-out. Like I said, kind of count the guy out. and comes back and gives like a career-best performance. Um good dude good to see him win um just like i said one of his i would say one of his career best performances so uh won't won't take too long on that call out i know you're gonna agree with this one but isn't it's like pretty weird how the ufc is like pushing nate out like i get it that he's hard to deal with and hard to work with and that's part of his thing is that he doesn't get along with anybody but like like this is the biggest like um mismatch that they've ever put out like a star up against yeah it's it's insane. They're just very salty that you know these Nate's always been at odds with the UFC. They've they've tolerated him lately because after the Connor fight because he beat Connor and he it was an undeniable like huge draw. But uh, I don't think they ever really wanted to give him the props he deserves even to this day. And this just shows it. I mean, there's a lot of guys and you know unless you're Donald Cerrone and you just suck Dana off or do whatever ever the hell else he does and like. The UFC usually doesn't help you out that much, like on these fights towards the end of your career. There are guys, Andre Arlowski um, being one of them, uh, Cowboy was one of them. There are those select few where it's like, what are these guys doing to get these matches at the end of their career? Because anybody else with a, a bigger name, like they just send them to slaughter. And yeah, like you said, this is by far the worst that I've ever seen. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't seem like Nate is against coming back. You still have that counter fight like we talked about to make. Uh, it just seems like you probably want to help him out a little bit, but I guess they just don't want to help anybody else that may take him. I don't know. They should have just kind of put something together, like we'll let you fight Jake Paul, but you know we sign you for a new contract or something. You know, get like a a clause that he's able to do that um, and keep him in the UFC. Because let's be honest, as big of a draw as he is, you go to Bellator, you're ten percent of what you were in the UFC. Um, PFL could be interesting, but Nate's not going to fight that much. So that's off the table. So there's not really many landing spots besides the UFC. So that's another reason why I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again sometime. Yeah. And like, like I said earlier, he's notorious for saying, I'm not doing this. I'm not showing up. I'm done with this, blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, he's back. So, and I mean, he could just fake retire and this could be his, his comeback fight could be in a year from now a trilogy with connor like oh we got him to come back right turns out he's been training the whole time turns <laughs> out it was all part of the plan and we paid him triple so i don't know i think it's crazy though like there's no denying what he's like yeah he's been at odds with the ufc but that's kind of his shtick like it, it's literally like almost acting at this point oh yeah you know nate nate and nick shtick like weed um marathons and, and whatnot and, and being swimming at, and biking. Being at odds with everybody yeah and just saying fuck you to anybody that comes across you know yeah but it's like if you're dana white it should be like dealing with a little kid like yeah this kid hates me haha i know <laughs> dana's just the goofiest dude he's he's like a fucking fifth grader like he just <laughs> once he has a grudge he's like a woman you know he doesn't he doesn't drop shit yeah careful, even when he pretends bro. he does it's all a facade just like a chick you know it's like <laughs> like with the woodley thing he acted like they're best friends they went to like a game together or something and the oh, next yeah. thing you know he's just talking shit about him behind call his back him, call him tyquil again yeah making him fight five straight losing fights <laughs> yeah he yeah. sent him out too that goes to show you tyron is a guy that dana absolutely hated they kind of acted like they patched it up but then when it came down to it dana just slaughtered him at the end of his career as well and again tyron's a guy that doesn't get along with anybody it should be funny that you can't get along with him like haha right. this guy's an idiot like that's tyron being tyron 
and uh, yeah, he couldn't handle it. So either way, uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't, I don't think you're far off. I think we may see him again. I don't think he would. I don't think he'll fight anybody outside of the UFC, like other than maybe a big boxing match. Yeah, I don't see who he would fight, right? Like, like why would why would he go to Bellator? He doesn't even want. He doesn't really like the circus of the whole thing. Why would he go to a, a second rate organization for a bag of cash? You know, every once in a while, these organizations just throw down a shitload of money. Yeah, and I could see that, and I could see sticking it to the UFC. Like, these guys are actually going to be nice to me, but I, I don't know. It's just like he doesn't really want to fight that much anyways, does he? No, and it's like it's just not the same when these guys go over to these other organizations. The hype's not there. I think if he does go somewhere, he'll find that out real quick. Yeah, and honestly, let's be honest, you've pointed this out a million times, and you've been spot on every time. The training regimen generally isn't there either. No. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know. I, I kind of have a theory that everybody in the other organizations are all on steroids. So <laughs> it takes because usually the UFC fighters lose their first fight and then kind of start to get into the swing of things. I think they're but they usually take a fight pretty soon. So I think everybody else is, has been juiced for the last, you know, their whole lives. And then UFC guys, I, I think a lot of them are still doing something, but not the level of shit that other <laughs> guys in other organizations are doing. But that's a really good point, because I'm going to add to it. How come everybody that goes over to one, um, Demetrius Johnson, um, uh, uh, Eddie, Eddie Alvarez and Sage Northcutt both got their eye sockets broken in their first fights. Yep. They're yeah. getting smashed to death. Yeah, all those big guys that left. Rory lost his first fight, I think. Um, Gegard Mousasi might have even lost his first fight. I'm not sure. But they're not like Eddie and, Eddie and Sage Northcutt didn't just lose. They got like hit with like like extra human like superhuman strength in the eye socket right like they're like whoa humans don't punch this hard well they do when they're in one fc and they're pumped full of steroids and they got a billion viewers watching right exactly so i think you're on to something there um and i guess kind of just to bring it all back into perspective i who knows what nate diaz will do we may just never hear from him again you're getting he's getting to the point where you can't just take three years off yeah exactly <laughs> career's over at this point he's definitely got to uh He's got to make this uh, last part of his career count. It's got to be relatively quickly, at least fighting like once a year or something. Yeah. So with that said, let's actually jump into our preview here. We have, um, what is this one even called? UFC 279. We got Kamzat Chemayev, Nate Diaz. And what are the odds for this fight? Because I do not see them on best fight odds, which has turned into an absolute joke of a website. Um, Do you know the odds for this? Um, I think Hamzat's like minus two thousand something now, and Nate was like plus nine hundred. Uh, but let me find it's on futures for sure. Here, here it is, minus fourteen hundred for Hamzat, plus eight fifty for. Is that Nick or Nate? Because they saw oh, that's Nick Diaz. But I think that's Nate. Honestly, let me check. Right, like, let me see if like DraftKings. Or why something. would they have a futures lineup for? for Nick versus Kamzat. That's never even been really talked about, has it? And also giving Nick better odds than Nate. Um, what I got is, and I don't know who this is coming from, Kamzat minus 1,100, Nick, Nate Diaz plus 700. How's that sound? We, we good going with that? Yeah, hold on. i pull up the DraftKings real fast. Here we go. DraftKings, my favorite sports betting app. Free plug for them. But uh, it is... Nate Diaz plus eight hundred. Cam's at Chimaev minus twelve fifty on DraftKings currently. All right, so we'll work, we'll work off that. Um, obviously, Cam's at should win this fight. Obviously, this is handpicked for Cam's at. Obviously, this is a big screw to Nate going out the door, trying to get him killed and send him out. You know, with whatever's left in his tank, trying to take that and then send him out without a soul. But 
like I, like you said, anything can happen. Um, I, I feel like the biggest upsets happen when nobody gives anybody somebody a chance. Um, who's to say Cam's that doesn't have some kind of adrenaline dumps? So who's to say he doesn't get tired in the first round? Who's to say he doesn't, you know, sleep, not get any sleep overnight? Whatever. Who knows what could happen? Um, Nate's a guy you know he's not going to get rattled. You know he's going to be what you're going to get. What do I think happens in this fight? Well, let me just curse it right now and say that I think that Kamzat probably takes Nate Diaz down at some point, probably round two or three. Probably Nate probably shells up. He's probably not hurt that bad, but Kamzat probably lands 10 to 15 unanswered punches, and they probably stop the fight, and Nate jumps up and says, hey, what the, what, what the heck? I was fine. He's probably not fine, but he's probably also not hurt that bad. Everybody walks away. Nate gets his bag, walks out the door. Kamzat gets his big win, and that's the end of the the pay-per-view. I don't know if you see it that way, but I think that's probably the most liable, most likely scenario would be Cam's at by TKO. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, I kind of see it the same pretty much. It's pr- I don't think he's going to wrestle. I think he wants to go out there. He thinks he's this big badass. So I think he's going to go out there and try to take Nate Diaz's head off. I think more than likely he probably does. We'd probably maybe get like a doctor stoppage or something again from a giant cut. I mean, I think he could even knock out Nate as crazy as that. You know, it's crazy as that sounds because I, I don't think I ever want to say that. So I'm just going to take that back. But I don't ever want to see that. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, he's just so big and he's going to be hitting so much harder. It's just going to be a tough fight for Nate. But the thing is, with that strategy, if Kamzak goes out there, balls to the wall and tries to get an early finish, that's exactly what he did versus Gilbert Burns. He gassed super early in that fight. And if he does that exact same thing and he gasses that same way again, then we're looking at a fight that Nate Diaz could potentially win. So um, that's how I think he's going to do it. So, And if he doesn't get the finish, it's like the Conor McGregor fight when he's like, basically he's like, yeah, you better hope you knock me out. Otherwise, it's going to be a rough night for you. So, yeah. Which I think it will. I mean, still, Kamzat probably has somewhat of an advantage even when tired because he can probably take Nate down and just kind of lay on him. Um, he can also probably still hit pretty hard. So we saw that in the Gilbert Burns fight. Nate gets hit That's a lot when he starts. Such a bad matchup. Yeah, going on. But, I mean, you never know. Nate starts just landing the one-two over and over again, drops cams at, submits them. I don't know. There's plenty of ways this could go. Uh, with uh, me being such a big Nate Diaz fan, I'm probably just completely delusional. And uh, that can never, ever happen. But um, I don't think it's impossible. Nothing is. So, um yeah, I don't know. Obviously, probably Cam's at on parlays, but if you're going a straight bet, you're not going to pick Cam's at here, right? That's idiotic. So um, if you're going a straight bet, I, I'm going Nate all day. And, and Cam's at, if he's uh, actually, uh, if he actually gets, if my parlays get to the end and I have Cam's at on the top of them, I'm going to bet more money on, on Nate to win on the hedge. So, so you um, found a way. Yeah, we found a way to justify the uh, the whole thing here and having Cam set on parlays. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There might be some props that are interesting, but might be hard to find that since it's got Nick Diaz on, the, uh, on there. Hold on one second. Let me see here. I got it up. So let me see if they got any props up here on DraftKings. So over, under, one and a half. Over one and a half minus one forty, under one and a half plus one ten. That's kind of an ugly line. That's kind of interesting though. I'm thinking over, but I, I that's like that's the odds on makers are setting that a little too close to this not lasting very long. Yeah, yeah, under over under one and a half. That's a that's a low one, but I mean I could see it going under that too. Like it's cra- like with just the size advantage of uh, of Camzad and you know the possible 
quick submission by triangle if uh, Kamzat takes Nate down. <laughs> I I think they're they're planning on how quick is he gonna like really hurt him. How bad do they want to get Nate Diaz hurt? Do they really want to end his career? Yeah, I think so. I think they this want is, him to die in there. It seems like that's an ugly line, dude. No, minus one forty to barely get out of the first round. Yeah, Kamzat Chimaev to win by KO, TKO, or DQ. Minus one fifty. That seems kind of insane, doesn't it? Minus one fifty on a on a minus twelve fifty straight line. Yeah. Like when that's like by far the most likely way he's gonna win. Like do they? Yeah. What do they think is gonna like something? Because then it's got Kamzat by submission plus two twenty five. Kamzat to win by decision plus five fifty. So, all those are like pretty good odds for a guy that's a minus twelve fifty favorite. Yeah, the those props are. You could probably bet every one of those and still get better and get better odds than. Yeah, how, for sure. How 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 do they think this fight's going to go? They think it's going to decision. No, well, they think it's going to be a, a knockout because minus one fifty. That's the lowest. You know, everyone else, all the other the other two are plus money, but minus one fifty. I think that's like minus three hundred, four hundred. Five hundred something crazy. I would think. I think that's how he's got to. If it goes five rounds, I I don't know. Maybe they think he's gonna. Maybe they think he's gonna wrestle and just lay on him. Yeah, line seems off. I feel like though. So if you're gonna pick Cam's that straight, I guess you'd probably take him to win by knockout minus one fifty. That seems like kind of a juicy line for being. I think probably the by far the most likely outcome if Cam's that wins because if it goes to decision, that gets dicey for for Cam's that. That's what I'm saying. If it goes five rounds, that gets dicey for Cam's that. Yeah. We, he he was fully gassed against Gilbert Burns. Yeah, in he, in round two, five rounds he's losing that fight to Gilbert Burns. Yeah, I think five, if it goes five rounds, if he's anywhere near as gassed as the Gilbert Burns fight, like we could that could be like a highly likely Nate wins if it's late in the fight. I I'm not I'm not in denial of that the only thing is he could always fall back on the wrestling and lay on him like you said, but I, those lines are weird. Yeah, no one knows what to do with this fight because it's so weird. Yeah, it's definitely. Definitely out there. I don't know what the UFC was thinking. It's like pretty much every single fighter at 155 wanted to fight Nate. Tony Ferguson wanted to fight Nate. Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, Like yeah. all sick fights. Like just make one of those. Why do you got to Por- make the cams that fight? The Poirier fight would have been a good one. Yeah, because it was already supposed to happen. That would have been my pick, but what are you going to do? Yeah, well, we'll see how this one goes. They really they really set him up. Uh, Lee Jing Lang versus Tony Ferguson. Um, Lee Jing Lang minus 300, Tony Ferguson plus 250. God, I don't even know why Tony Ferguson is fighting so quickly after his last fight. Yeah, it's kind of insane, right? He got one of the most devastating nuggets I've ever seen. Definitely the most devastating one I've ever seen in person. But, uh, yeah, it seems really early for him when he's, uh, you know, after a knockout like that, you want to take off as much time as possible, I feel You've like. You've got to be talking like retirement fight, right? something yeah maybe he just wants to get it over with or something and this is not a good guy to fight this guy's just a a grimy bastard like yeah he's going up a weight class he's fighting 170 Li Jing Ling is pretty big 170 like not a ton of advantages in this fight we did see Tony Ferguson was just absolutely schooling Michael Chandler in that first round it's like it's true uh, potential 10-8 territory before Chandler took the, got the takedown at the uh midway through but uh yeah, I don't know. Um, seems like a bad fight. I'm going Lee Jing Ling on this one. I just think he's bigger. Tony Ferguson, after that knockout, hasn't taken enough time. Um, you know, with the size advantage and and possible chin issues for Tony after that knockout, I think you got to go Lee Jing Ling here. Yeah, Tony hasn't won a fight in three years. Four, yeah, right. Four years. It's and been G- uh, Lee Jing Ling by knockout plus one ten. Not bad. I don't, I still don't know if I picked Tony to get knocked out, but I think I don't know. Lee Jing Lang looked pretty good in his last fight. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez. This is actually a sneaky good fight. I think D-Rod is fairly under underrated. Um, he's a guy that just doesn't really lose. I pick against him all the time. He just doesn't really lose. What does he have, one or two career losses? He's not. He's got a solid resume there. He's fighting Kevin Holland, who's a knucklehead, capable of doing anything, whether it be good or bad. Um, Kevin Holland is currently minus 195, Daniel Rodriguez plus 165. But I think that's where D-Rod usually sits in a lot of these a lot of these situations. So, um yeah, it's crazy. He only, recent in the UFC, it looks like he's only lost once, and now it's Nicholas Dalby. So he doesn't hasn't he didn't fight for a long time. So, um, oh yeah, he kind of has. He's fought pretty consistently. It seems like we didn't see him for a little bit, but I guess we did. He's won some decent fights too. Yeah, I mean, he never beat anybody really good though. I guess he got Kevin Lee, but that was towards the end of Kevin Lee when he was just a bum. Yeah, uh, Preston Parsons. Don't even know who that is. Beat Mike Perry when Platinum was going through. You know. Probably the roughest period of that. That was when Platinum went off the off the wall. Yeah. Um, and Dwight Grant, Gabe Green, Tim Means. Not like he's ever fought anyone like. Not anyone on Kev- Kevin Holland's yeah, level. Yeah, Kevin Holland's by far his toughest fight. So. Yeah. So, but either way, I think this is a sneaky good fight. Yeah, I don't know. Daniel Rodriguez, just a guy who I, has never done it for me. Like I don't, I don't know. He's wins, but I think the same I, thing. But he, I, I don't quote me on this, but I think he lands the most punches per minute in the UFC. Yeah, if you would have asked me, like, what's like Daniel Rodriguez' winning percentage in the UFC, I'd have been like 60 percent. Yeah, fifty like, fifty guy. Yeah, not like but he's, he's won, he only lost loses. once. So, uh, but I like Kevin Holland in this fight. I think uh, it's kind of at a catch weight, I guess. So, uh, I just think he's quicker. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, he's got power, but he's kind of slow out there. Um, I think Kevin Holland's fought the tougher competition, uh, and I think Kevin Holland's just going to get this win. Don't get me wrong, Kevin Holland is a tough guy to trust, so there's <laughs> always that issue. Like, you never know which Kevin Holland's going to come out there. At least Daniel Rodriguez isn't a wrestler, and usually like that kind of leads to a lot of Holland's issues. So striking battle, I, I think he gets the win here. But like you said, plus 165 doesn't seem too bad on Daniel Rodriguez. I think you, the way you worded that was perfect. He's a tough guy to trust. That's exactly right. Yeah. Unless right. you need your life saved, then he'll, <laughs> he'll for sure come through. Yeah, unless you need him to be in the vicinity of a crime, then, he's then yeah, he's not hard to trust at all. He'll be there. Yeah. Jeez, the guy's had more fights outside the octagon than in the octagon. That's saying a lot. Um, all right, Irina Donna, Maisie Chazon. Um, Irina Donna minus 180, Maisie Chazon plus 155. Um Obviously, I read now Donna's looked pretty good. Macy Chason looked good, too. I just think Macy Chason's a little too slow. Yeah. Uh, she is kind of slow. Yeah, that's true. I don't I don't really know. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to pull up some stats here because this is one that I was kind of going back and forth on. I wasn't. I know a lot of people are completely sold on Irene Aldana in this one. Did Irene Aldana not have an underwhelming performance recently? That's what I thought. I feel like. You know, I've, we've been watching her fight, but I just couldn't, like... She had that fight with Holly Holm that... or with, She beat up Holly Holm. She had a fight with somebody No, that, she lost to Holly Holm, I think, oh, didn't was, she? Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. I, I want to say she had some sort of, like, underwhelming performance that I remember being, like, maybe she's not who I thought she was. Let's see. Yeah, she beat... Her last fight, she beat Yana Kuniskaya, but before that, she lost to Holly Holm in 2020 at Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. Um, before that, beat Caitlin Vieira, beat Vanessa Mello, lost to Raquel Pennington, um, beat Beth Cohea, beat Lucy Putalova, Tatiana Bernardo, lost to Caitlin Chikagian and Leslie Smith. So she's got some some tough losses on her record here. 
Like, I feel like Irene Aldana gets a lot more credit than she deserves, um, especially, like, going through a record right now. Uh, people act like, you know, she's, like, tops of the division, but I guess because there's not that many good 135 female fighters, she kind of is, but um, I don't know. Macy Chazon, though, she's not exactly trustworthy either. She's a, a chick that looked like she might be pretty good coming in the UFC. She's just tall, long. Uh, she's on the ultimate fighter, and... Uh, Someone I think a lot of people had some high hopes for. She's done pretty decent. Her only loss to Raquel Pennington and Lena Landsberg. So um, I think Macy Chazon's kryptonite is kind of like a somebody who's going to put you up against the cage and grind and uh, wrestle and whatnot. I don't think Irene Aldana, we're going to see that whatsoever. So it's going to be a purely striking battle. And I think, you know, this could be closer to 50-50 uh, in a purely striking battle. I think... Technically, Irene Aldana is probably the more technical striker, but uh, Macy Chazon, plus 155, you could take a flyer on her. I'm not exactly sure what I'll do on this one. I'll pro- I'm probably just, for the pockets, going to say Macy Chazon, dog or pass. Um, not one I'm super confident in, but these women's fights, when you get one that seems like it could be close to 50-50, you kind of just go the underdog with them, but not like uh, one I'm going to have a lot of investment in but whatsoever. Yeah, I'm with you there all the way. Um I, Maisie, I again, I, I remember some underwhelming performances by Irina Donna, and I'm not going to do enough research to figure it out. So this is one where you just flip a coin and you just take the underdog. So I'm with you there. I do think Maisie Chazon is slow, though. She's very slow. But then yeah. again, it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of a 50-50. All right, Johnny Walker versus Ian Kutalaba for the dumbest, trying to take take the belt from Luke Rockhold and Paul Acosta for the two dumbest guys in the UFC. No, they might already have the belt, these two. They're, they're certified <laughs> dummies. Well, maybe Johnny Walker not anymore now that he stopped taking uh, CBD, which was drugging him for the last three years. Yeah, he said I was giving him schizophrenia. <laughs> Dude, that's not from the CBD. That's from getting knocked out once a month. <laughs> right. Yeah, good point there. All right, let me give you the line real quick. With Johnny Walker plus 165, Ian Q. Delaba minus 195. Obviously, if you got a brain, you're looking at Ian Q. Delaba here. But talk about a hard guy to trust. This guy is impossible to trust. Not only is he impossible to trust, Johnny Walker is also always capable of doing some crazy shit where you're just like, oh, shit, the guy can actually fight. Just once in a while, his, he has no chin. That's his issue, right? Yeah, no chin. So basically, if this was if this was before Johnny Walker became a point fighter, I would be all over Johnny Walker here. Like, if, if you're thinking, like, early Johnny Walker, crazy, explosive, throws creative strikes, like you don't know what's coming, just comes out with a bang. Um, that's like Ian Kudalava's kryptonite. He's like willing to get drawn into a brawl and just have Johnny Walker do like a spinning 360 back fist or something on him. And I could see that happening. Like not that crazy, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, for like sure. before Johnny Walker was a point fighter and he would just go out there and go nuts. Like Ian Kudalava has a high likelihood of getting caught by Johnny Walker. Now it's like, what's going to happen in this fight is johnny walker actually going to do anything um is ian kudalaba going to do anything i mean ian kudalaba if he comes out there uses wrestling takes johnny walker down he could beat his ass pretty convincingly ian kudalaba as we know doesn't do anything that's smart so it's very (laughs) very unlikely that he's going to take the easiest path to victory here um if he doesn't take the easiest path to victory it becomes like a 50 50 fucking striking match i feel like so it, it it's tough. I don't know. I really don't know what to do. I, I would hate to trust either of these guys with any of my money, but since we have it on the thing, I should have just left this one off, but it's not like, I feel like it's definitely a, 
one you got to kind of touch on. So I don't know. They just still have to go in and cute a lava, dude. In my opinion, I've cursed every pick I've made, but he's an idiot. But Johnny Walker is at the worst gym with the worst game plan and the worst chin in the UFC. Yeah, I don't know. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit probably. You're right. But the thing you're kind of overlooking here is what's sober Johnny Walker like? (laughs) You know, no CBD Johnny Walker. Is he... Yeah. That could be a huge factor. He was—he basically said he's schizophrenic for the last three and a half years he's, from CBD. He's so dangerous in the first like minute and a half too. Assuming, like you said, like assuming he comes out and fights. Yeah, but was he just not fighting? Because uh, when did that when did that start? Let's last see. three years—that's his losing streak. His whole losing streak. It started at the beginning of his losing streak. So, so yeah, we're gonna see the uh, like you know the guy that I was saying that we needed to see at the beginning of, of my rant on it. The John Jones we're gonna killer. Get. Yeah. The, the John Jones killer. Exactly. So we're going Johnny Walker here, Dogger Pass. Once again, same thing with the Irene Aldana and a Macy Chase on fight. This is not one I, I recommend putting much money, if any, on. But uh, for the uh, sake of the pick, we're going with Johnny Walker. At least I am. Alex, I think, is going in Kudalaba, So. Well, that should tell you everything. It, and that should yeah. tell you everything you need to know about it, making this pick. If he picks Ian Kudalaba in the league, then it's an absolute lock. We'll have to try to update the uh, the listeners somehow. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, next up we got Hakimin Duwadu versus Julian Juicy J Rosa, JLT nickname champion Julian Juicy J, fighting a solid nickname. I mean, Mean Hakim's a pretty good nickname. Yeah, so yeah, the belt definitely. Is, so I think the belt is eligible to be on the line. Yeah, it's definitely eligible. We got the uh, JLT nickname title fight. Uh, Julian Rosa defending here. Was uh, was Julian Rosa's last fight an official JLT nickname title fight or no? Because he he won the belt off Charles Jordan and he fought once Steve Steve Pearson Peter Pearson or Peterson Steve, Steve Peterson. Um, I don't remember if he had a good nickname. So I don't know if we put it on the line. I think we might have put it on the line, even though Peterson had a terrible name. And we were just like because it was kind of a a big favorite here for Pe- Steven Peterson has that big Superman tattoo on his chest. Right? I think so. Yeah. He couldn't have the belt even if he wanted it, but I think he lost, right? Yeah, he definitely lost. Um, uh, all right. Hakeem Duwadu is minus 225. Julian Rosa plus 190. Um, either way, though, I don't remember if we put it on the line or not, but this is definitely a worthy – Mean Hakeem's a pretty good nickname. Yeah, that is sick. Rhymes, sounds good. Uh, mean Hakeem Dawadu, uh, got to put it on the line on this one. And uh, I think that we might be seeing the belt change hands here and and go over to uh, Mean Hakeem. It's been a good run for Juicy J. He should be Mean Hakeem the Dream Dawadu. <laughs> that would be a sick nickname. Two nicknames. Hakeem the Mean Dream. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going here. Juicy J, uh, he either looks, like, pretty good or pretty bad, I feel like, for the most part. He has knockout power, and then he also gets knocked out. Um, Hakeem Dawadu, I don't know. He's he's definitely the better fighter. Um for some reason, I've always kind of not trusted him a ton, though, either. Um, I feel like he's one of those guys that should be a lot better than they are, you know, or should have won some fights that he didn't. But I guess he's done pretty well in the UFC. He's only lost twice in the UFC. So uh, one of them being uh, Mavzar Ivalev, who I think just held him against the cage for the entire fight. So, yeah, um, yeah I think Dawadu probably gets the win pretty easily here. All right, we'll see if that happens and if that belt changes hands. All right. Oh, one second before we touch on it. Tied to Ivasa has the JLT Fat Boy belt, but... But he can't lose it to Cyril Gunn. Yeah, it would be insane. So uh, luckily with this loss, we might see him get some more Fat Boy matchups in the the future here, so... 
Yeah, fair to say. Fair to say that belt was never in danger when he was fighting Cyril Khan. No, he could not ever be the fat boy division world champ. No, and I think Tattoo House is going to keep that fat boy belt for a while. Oh, yeah. I don't see any fat boys. I think, it's, I think it's in the right hands, to be fair. Definitely. All right, Jailton Almeida versus uh, Anton Turkaj. Am I saying that right? I don't know who Anton Turkaj is. Never heard of him. It must be his first UFC fight. And Jailton Almeida, minus 660. Turkaj, plus 490. Jailton Almeida seems like the real deal. Like, this guy is... Uh, another guy that could never be in the fat belt fat boy division i don't know if you remember his last fight against Parker. yeah, Parker yeah Porter. he absolutely styled on parker porter i was like kind of like so so on him i think he's kind of a small heavyweight but man is he quick and powerful this dude seems like the real deal i'm interested uh, to see this fight and then see where he uh goes from here i have literally no clue who his opponent anton is but um I don't, I don't think there's many guys A to know or really many guys in, in the world that are going to beat uh, Jailton Almeida up. So we got to go with him here. Yeah, uh, I think that's, that's kind of a safe bet, um, especially at uh, minus 660. Um, all right, last but not least, Jake Collier versus Chris Barnett. Oh, my God, this guy could be on the uh, JLT nickname world title. Anton the Pleasure Man Turkals. The pleasure man, dude. Look at look at his picture too. He looks like he's like a fucking gay porn star or something. We gotta write that one down. The pleasure man needs to fight for a belt. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> are they gonna say that? Is Bruce Buffer gonna say that? Anton, the pleasure man. That has to be like some kind of translation issue or something. <laughs> I hope so. The pleasure man, dude. Like his name had to be like Mr. Smooth or something in a different language, and it just <laughs> translates over to pleasure man. Pleasure man. <laughs> Mr. Pleasures himself, man. That's terrible. Holy cow. Well, I'm rooting for him now, but I don't think he's got a shot. But um, let's get back into the fat boy division here. Jake Collier versus Chris Barnett. Um, these guys both would qualify to be tied to Ivasa's, uh competition for the fat boy belt. Neither of them would ever belong in an octagon with him, but... Um, Jake Collier has looked pretty decent in recent years, and Chris Barnett, I believe his last fight, had a major highlight finish. So um, what are our odds here? We got Chris Barnett plus 330, Jake Collier minus 410. Obviously, the running joke is how athletic Chris Barnett is. He did do a spinning wheel kick and knock out uh, John Vellante. He did do a front flip and scoot on his fat butt. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's not a running joke, John Anik, though. <laughs> John Anik legit thinks Chris Barnett is the most athletic man in the UFC. And not only does he think that, he thinks John Volante was the best former athlete to ever be in the UFC. Because <laughs> yeah, he played best football, football player, yeah. Because he played football at Hofstra. Yeah, he's out of control there. But um, Chris Barnett, while not the actual best athlete in the UFC, he is a sneaky, surprising athlete like he can the, bang a little bit yeah the dude is way more flex he can do way more shit than you think he should be able to for having a gut that sticks so far out that he has to waddle when he walks he's a human beach ball yeah yeah and can somehow do flips like throw jump spin kicks he's it's absolutely insane that he can do that um plus 330 against jake collier i'm i'm taking another dogger pass here we got a lot of dogger passes on this one but uh chris barnett i don't know jake collier don't get me wrong. He's been pretty decent. He's been solid since he came back, and like it looked like shit in his first fight back. But not that great. He lost a split decision to Andre Arlovski in his last fight. Beat Chase Sherman before that. Lost to Carlos Felipe, who's a huge flat boy, fat boy by split decision. Not anymore, though. Remember, remember Carlos Felipe's not fat anymore? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He's jacked at, now. Well, at the time, he was. Yeah. But uh, 
Then he beat uh, Jean, John Vellante, uh, lost to Tom Aspinall, beat Marcel Fortuna, lost to Devin Clark. So it's like, who's he beat? Chase Sherman, John Vellante, and uh, Marcel Fortuna? It's like, Fair point. Dude, Chris Barnett can beat a guy who's only beat the absolute scrubs of the division. Chris Barnett would beat all those guys. Like, he's got power. Um, I don't know, Jake, this is another one, Jake Collier. He's the more technical fighter. He's better, but... Chris Barnett's been finding a way to get it done against some some guys that I, I feel like he was uh, an underdog against. So he beat John Vellante as well. So, right. um, yeah, I'm going to go Chris Barnett here. Uh, it's a dogger pass. Not going to have a lot of uh, investment on this one either. But, you know, if you just want to support a fat athletic man, then uh, just fire on him. All right. And it's pretty good value at plus 300 if you think he's going to win this fight, plus 330. So, um, anybody else in this card that sticks out to you? Obviously, they tried to like just rig this card up. I, this is a weird card, to be honest. It's not bad. It's not the worst card I've ever seen, but this is some, they tried to do something here. I don't know if it was the most well thought out card they've ever come up with. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a weird it's card. A middle, it's a double middle finger to, to Nate Diaz here. Basically, the entire card is from from his opponent to the people they put on to have him sell the pay-per-view with. But, um, yeah, it, it's definitely weak. It was even weaker, the Tony Ferguson versus, um, versus Lee Jingliang fight and the Kevin Holland fight got put on pretty late, um, I think within like two or three weeks ago. So you know it had to be. It wasn't selling any tickets or anything, so they had to put a little bit more on it than they had because before that, it was absolutely the worst, like, prelims, early prelims, and undercard for a a pay-per-view that you've ever seen. This is the least hype Tony Ferguson's ever got, too, so, like, clearly he was a late addition. Like, they weren't planning on putting him on this card. Definitely. Um, But, yeah, so it's pretty weak, but we got... As weak as it is, we got some interesting stuff going on here. So I think it'll be definitely worth the price of admission on this one. And, uh, you know, I'm biased. Nate's my guy. But uh, even even with that, there's the Tony Ferguson versus Lee Jing Langs, the Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez, Ian Kudalawa versus Johnny Walker, you know, that seeing Jailton Almeida again, Chris Barnett, the most athletic man in the world. You know, we got some stuff to watch here. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, uh, I'm I think more curious than anything to see how this one unfolds yeah it could be an absolute disaster or it could be (laughs) the best night of my life I don't know we'll see there's a lot riding on this one but I guess uh we'll wrap things up then uh we'll be back soon to recap this it's already Thursday going on Friday um we're going to be tying in our football season and our fighting so we're going to be we're going to be busy soon but that's all that's okay um but like I said we'll wrap things up we'll be back next week to recap Good luck on your picks. Hopefully you do better than I've done, and um, we'll see you all next week. Peace. Try that. I need a beat in the beat. Let me call Polo.
hogging up the lane. It's okay, I'm a boss, I can make it rain. It's okay, we get fuck with me. Watch me turn it down. Watch me do 